Welcome to the Pitch Vision Academy Cricket Show, your guide to better cricket. Uh, doesn't matter who you are or where you are, we want to help you out, whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, or whether you're just interested in, in how people get better at playing the game. This, this is the place to listen in for a few minutes. My name's David Hinchliffe, I look after things here. And helping me to help you are two very fine cricket coaches. The first is the director of cricket at Millfield School. It's Mark Garraway. Hello, Garris. How's it going? It's all very good. Yes, thank you very much. I had a hectic weekend. Part of it was watching the England versus West Indies up in Bristol, which was highly Lovely. entertaining. Um, and uh, yeah, so back in back in uh, situ. Yep, lovely. Head Secondly, it is Portsmouth Grammar School. It's Sam Lavery. Hello, Lavers. How is it going? Very good. Thank you very much. Um, all kind of, all kind of ready to get started. We've actually still got a couple of weeks before cricket kicks off again. So, um, just trying to finalise a couple of things with, uh, with, with, with coaches and um, make sure everything is uh, is in place that should be. But yeah, I actually kind of feel ready and, and itching to get on with it. So. Uh, I've got a couple of things going on with some one-to-ones with um, some guys I've worked with over the years, which should be good to uh, good to see them because I haven't seen them since mid-season. And um, apart from that, uh, yeah, work as normal. Yeah, lovely. Got got the string up in the nets and we're away. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I still need to buy a little bit of string to do that in our nets. But uh, yeah, Look, if you haven't seen that video, by the way, if you're listening, and haven't seen that video, you can, uh, head over to pitchvision.com and um, and have a look at Lever's detailed explanation on uh, putting string up in nets to set a, a, a target for when you're batting. Which is uh, which is, I absolutely love that idea. I, I think I said it at the time, but uh, what a simple idea, but how effective. It's not rocket science, is it? But it it it, it helps. It's, it's another it's another method of feedback for the boys and girls who are in their training, and it won't be for everyone. But if it gives one person a bit more direction or a bit more um, understanding of how they're doing when they're indoors in that net environment, then then it's a good thing. Yeah, as you said on the video, scoring runs instead of playing shots, and that is a that is a big difference, isn't it? Absolutely, and that's what we want. I mean, we we all know the guy who goes out and looks a million dollars in the nets, but when you get him out there, he's averaging averaging a dozen for the season. So, uh, yeah, learning to score runs is what we want to do, and that's something that um, Graham Gooch was always a big fan. He, I, th- I think he had a phrase that was something along those lines, didn't he? That he always believed in um, accumulating runs rather than uh, rather than just going out and batting. Yeah, exactly. He was anyone. Anyone can bat, but uh, you, in order to be a, a good batsman, you need to be a run maker. So that's the key to it, really, isn't it? Certainly stood uh, stood him in good stead that one. That's for sure. And and uh, yeah. his charge as well, who's uh, overtaken his record with England. Speaking of scoring, we got quite a big announcement this week. Uh, so I wanted to get your guys' input on that and discuss a few of the issues around scoring and watching video and all that kind of thing. If you haven't been up, keeping up to date, the latest product from Pitch Vision is called PV Match, and it allows you to score and stream your cricket matches uh, using video technology, but also uh, using a, a tablet. You can score the game and uh, keep the score as you go along and tie everything into video replay. So it's great for coaches, it's great for scorers, it's great for captains who want to pick out things that perhaps are missed with the traditional scoring methods. And it's certainly great for, for the fans of the team who are streaming their matches 
on the internet and allowing them to be able to watch their games or watch their game highlights, uh, even if they can't be at the game, which which often happens. And, and I know from my own club that so many people want to watch the game that can't get to the game. Um, it would be great. It's going to be fantastic for them next season when they can watch that streaming. Um, the reason that we're talking about it now is that the uh, release date has been announced for December. And to get people on board who are super keen, we're offering a discounted rate for anyone who buys PV Match before the product is fully released. So if you put your order in now, then you've got a pretty good chance of making a pretty good saving. The, the prices, just to let you know what those prices are, um, if you want the, the base system of PV Match, and I'm gonna do all this in pounds, the, the price of the base system is 950 pounds, but the early bird discount is 760 pounds. So if you head over to pvmatch.com to get all the details about the release and how you can make that big saving, you can actually make uh, a pretty large saving if you go for the three camera solution, which is the top of the range one. But even if you just want to get into it with one camera and get started, with scoring and streaming those matches, then you can do that at, at quite a significant discount. David, just say somebody was potentially interested in that three camera uh, discount that you talked about, what would that come in as? Well, I'll tell you, Garris, it's the, t- the top of the range. The top of the range system is £1,950. But if you order it early, and I can tell you're interested, if you order it early, it's going to be 1,460. Wow, that is incredible. And, and that, from, from my understanding, is a camera at each end, but also having the capacity to have an angle, which is, say, different maybe from your pavilion looking out over the ground. So if somebody is a, away and watching it abroad or watching it from home and they don't just get the straight down the, the lens angle that we're used to, I suppose, on television, but you also get more of that you know, panoramic and uh, you know, get a bit of ambiance in there as well, eh? Yeah, and what I like about that third one is that you can set it on relatively wide and then you can get in fielding stuff as well, which is is often missed when you're pointing the camera at the you know, the batsman and the bowler, which is the main thing. But then, you know, how many times have you seen on the um county highlights the cameras pointing at the at the wicket and then the everybody looks over to the leg side and there's a three second pause and then everybody claps and you think oh well i, I guess there must have been a catch there yeah <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah there's a great catch there wasn't there well that's another thing i was gonna would you or have you considered putting together some kind of package that allows the camera to be positioned most uh, in the best possible way so you see a lot of these cameras on very very tall uh, tripods or very tall settings these days is that something that might happen in the future or something that, that could happen uh, yeah well the cameras are the cameras are as portable as you want them to be they come with a standard attachment so you can attach them to anything so you can you know if you if you just they come with tripods so if you want if you want to put them up on the tripods the tripod will go up about eight feet in the air but if you want to get more, if you want to get more height than that, then uh, you can just take them off the tripod and, and attach them to wherever or whatever you want to do. So it's completely flexible on that front. I see that my mate Matt Hankins has got it in at uh, Bath Cricket Club, incredibly successful cricket club in 
in the West Country. Um, it, that's uh, the dad of George Hankins, who used to come here, huge supporter of Millfield School, big uh, big Matt. So great to see that that's going in there. And really, you know, there, there's so many things you can do with it. It's, it's a fairly small investment for, for cricket clubs nowadays, isn't it? Um, uh, and the capacity to be able to score and watch uh, you know, somebody playing um, uh, and being updated with how they're going when you're remote is magnificent. In, you know, we wouldn't have thought that that was possible a, a number of years ago within within club cricket. It's only just become possible in county cricket, hasn't it, for us to be able to watch plays as it's, as it's going on live. Um, but, uh, you know, to do that club level or school level is just a magnificent thing. So the other thing that's, that's interesting for people who want to buy this product is is what's the ongoing cost because usually with these products there's some kind of uh, fee that you have to pay as a license year in year out to um, give yourself some kind of support or um, have have access to someone who's then going to give you advice on how to use it and that kind of thing so are we looking at any ongoing fees being incurred for, for the usage of it? No, once you've um once you've paid for the hardware, then you—that's it. Everything is included in that price. So, and that includes storing all your videos in the cloud. So you can you can get back to them whenever you want, and there's no limit to that. Uh, no, but I mean that's that's the thing. Having having worked as um, somebody who purchased these types of systems a long time ago, you know, we, Somerset were the first to to have uh, match analysis going on back in the very early um, 2000s it was only the international side that had it so uh, I was involved in that process of getting that in and then equally being involved in building some of these mechanisms for the ICC and various others the challenge has always been that you have to keep paying significant amounts of money for that storage that uh, we've just talked about so to be able to not have that ongoing yearly annual membership I suppose um, is again a real uh, asset isn't it a real good selling point from pitch vision into clubs you know who don't really want to be making anything more than an initial outlay at the outset and there is the facility to put in the top right hand corner your sponsor so if you have a sponsor if you find someone to to sponsor it and you know a lot of companies are very interested in the 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 presence they can get on social media um you know, if you're streaming that game on Facebook and their logo's in the top right-hand corner, there's probably someone who is uh, quite keen to pay, uh, you know, somewhere in the region of 1500 or two grand to get that kind of exposure. And, and that means that in return for a tiny little logo in the top right-hand corner, you, you can get that without any uh, cost to the club at all. So you might need to do some work with your sponsorship committee to get that sorted. But once you've done that, you know, you're, you're away and suddenly you've got this great system without having to have any outlay on it especially when you start to consider the different applications of of the product so we're thinking or you're thinking they're kind of the club cricket market aren't you but if you then take it across to um, the independent schools market or schools market if you think about the number of parents who will who are busy but would love to watch their child play cricket and they can see the highlights of the match or they can see some some footage from it and again you people are then advertising to them so 
the boys and girls are no doubt going to watch the matches back. Kids from younger year groups are almost certainly going to watch highlights because their first team heroes who are four or five years older than them have done well on the weekend again. So there's lots of different people who are going to be actually viewing this footage. So that kind of sponsorship or that opportunity to to, to brand the videos it is no doubt something that in time um, as the as the product becomes more um, the awareness of the product becomes greater more people are going to be watching and it's and it's going to be uh, certainly an opportunity to to kind of pulling a little bit of advertising or sponsorship however you want to term it um, and what about the the great tribute to the scorer because you know what, what an under sort of appreciated person the scorer often is but to put them sort of front and center and say okay we well, you're not just the person recording what's happening here which you know which is all very good but you know you're the one who presses the button to say oh that was good i'll put that i'll put that into the highlights package and then you press one button and that particular ball is saved as a highlight and then suddenly your scorer is is becomes one of the big heroes of your team because they're the, they're the one putting together the the highlights packaging package while you know when a wicket falls and uh, when someone smashes a six so it's um if, if scorers feel underappreciated this is a great way to show them oh. that you love them i think it is building that off-field team support around the coaching network. The scorer is, is now part of the coaching team, aren't, aren't they? And they're going to be having input onto the success of any side. Sorry, Gareth, I jumped in before you there, mate. No, I was just thinking that the score is also going to benefit from having the opportunity to do a little bit of bribery as well, isn't it? Because he'll be able to <laughs> say, do you want to be in the highlights package? You know, do you want that uh, <laughs> that cover drive to get in and mug your mate? Because that's got to yeah. be worth buying. that drop that's catch gotta in be, there. Yeah, that's got to be worth <laughs> buying after the game, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, great, with great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely right. And opportunity to bribe. Uh, but there is <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but there is a there is a wider question here, which perhaps we can get onto a little bit. Which is, when you have access to all that information as a player, you know, it's never before. You know, you can watch yourself train, you can watch yourself play, you can watch back every ball. Never before have players below sort of the highest level been able to do that. And, and one of the things I, I saw recently, I think it was. Um, uh, Freddie Flintoff talking about it was saying that you know a, a lot of players when he when video analysis sort of came in when he was at the top level you know people started obsessing about it and you know watching uh, uh, watching every mistake and you know trying to uh, trying to really go into it and worrying about their technique and uh, and getting into every technical detail uh, and he felt that maybe that's a little bit over the top uh, and maybe that is so if you are new to that new to be able to watching yourself watch yourself and and get to that point where you watch yourself and you realize suddenly you don't your cover drive isn't quite as good as michael vaughn's when you thought in your head it was then how, how do you deal with that as a player like how do you manage that as a player you don't get sort of sucked into the negativity of it I think it's inevitable when you first get exposed to these things that you want everything. So it's almost a journey that you go on before you become quite good at looking at all of this information and extracting the bits that are going to make the, the biggest difference. And uh, certainly when we first got one on board at Somerset back in, I think, 2001, that's exactly what happened. Everybody was almost, uh, you know, um, 
paralysis by analysis sort of touch really and uh, and we had to educate as coaches we had to educate people instead of just going back and looking at how you got out let's go back and look at you know how you played and how you scored your runs and how you played the off spinner and break it down in in positive ways as well as the negative ones and it's not to say that sometimes you have to uh, you don't have to look at some of the negative ones so an example would be if somebody was getting out consistently in a certain way then we might put together a little package showing that not to completely get rid of the um, confidence or any confidence that person had but maybe to identify a technical thing that we could then work on for the next week which gave them a much better chance of of overcoming the challenge of LB or, or, or caught behind and there are so many different ways of working positively in it whether you're looking at just the run scoring or the wicket taking or whatever it is that you want to look at and feel good about yourself but also how you can go about identifying some areas that you can make your game much more robust and transferable when you go back out there and play in future weeks I always say to guys when they're new to it, I always say try and look at what you're good at first before you start you know picking over every single you know angle of oh look at my head here or you know I didn't I didn't follow through properly here or you know you, you automatically look at the negatives don't you but if you can sort of say to yourself let's let's go let's list at least at least three things which I'm happy with then before I start getting worried about things then that's going to give you at least a positive start before you before you <laughs> dig into the depths of what's going wrong which you know often you know how many times do people say that to you you know can, can you tell me what's going wrong here can you can you have a look see what's wrong but you know what's wrong isn't isn't even half the picture i don't think it's it's part of the picture but it's not the thing to obsess about and, and you will be surprised what you look like when you play. If you haven't oh, yeah. had the opportunity to see yourself out, out in the middle play, you will be surprised because uh, the things that you think you do and the things that you feel that you do don't always happen there. And I think, uh, you know, in the old days, the only time you ever used to see yourself really play was when you either got to a, a, a cup final at Lords or you, you played a test match. And, and nowadays, everybody's getting the opportunity to do it. But in match play, it can look very different to what it looks like in practice not because it is but just because the context of what, what you're doing at that time does change as well so things like running between the wickets you know instead of just playing in the nets and seeing what your cover drive looks like from front on you're actually going to see what you're running between your wickets is like what your decision making is like there are so many brilliant things that you can get from watching in match play that you don't necessarily get in in um, you know in net time how you react in between balls how you use that space and time that falls in between the, the ball being bowled and you hitting it and the next ball being delivered how somebody walks back to their mark whether it looks as if they're preparing themselves to be able to deliver a good ball or, or not there are so many things that we can extract from this type of technology that uh, we've not been able to in the past I think that's, that's one thing that we've looked at over the last few years when boys have had the, uh, the videos at school is is the body language they carry in addition to the sort of the cricket that's going on what, what how do they carry themselves how do they look do they look confident do they look like they're imposing themselves on the situation or do they look a bit fragile do they look a bit scared or a bit unsure about what they're doing and and um, obviously people's perception of what they're doing in their own head to play cover drive is very different to the reality of what it looks like and the same thing with their body language sometimes they might feel confident in their head but the way they project themselves isn't necessarily always the same um, that's one of one of the other things I was going to mention the beauty of the, the product as well is that I don't know if you've done this in the past Garris, but 
we've analysed, and this is very much along the the uh, videos you get in the county championship as well. You analyse what's going on in the wicket sometimes, and um, we we're, in analysing that everyone gets very technical because you don't have any outcomes there until you get bowled or nick off. So you don't see why well, I didn't. That people looked at videos, and I remember probably four or five years ago when I started doing video analysis for all our matches, we would. Um, People would at every shot. Oh, well, that wasn't quite perfect. That wasn't quite perfect. And never, never in their mind did they think, well, where did the ball go? And so for the first season, I was kind of like everything was very zoned in on, on the pit. And then, so actually, we can see the technical stuff if we just zoom out a little bit and we can see the ring as well. Well, how did you play that shot? Well, ultimately, you played it successfully because you hit the gap and you scored some runs. And technically, it might not have been perfect, but let's consider outcomes as well as considering processes because that's what we want to do. We're trying to achieve outcomes, and whether it looks great or it looks awful, you got the ball into that gap, you hit a four. There's got to be something good coming out of that rather than just picking holes in, in everything we do. Okay, so just to remind people, you know, if you do want to see those videos, you do want to watch yourself play, then head over to pvmatch.com get all the details for that and if you're quick you get the early bird discount which is uh, up to about 500 pounds not not to be sniffed at if you are if you're keen on that kind of thing now i think we've still got time to answer a question uh, this week that has been sent in by uh, listeners to the show or uh, a reader from the pitchvision.com website uh, so see if we can squeeze one of these in uh, before we run out of time this week and the way uh, that this works normally is that we have a, a a prize to give away at the end which is for the best question of the week so if you are thinking about sending in questions for a future show and maybe winning that prize then, then you can do that by emailing coach at pitchvision.com or you can get in touch with us through other ways which we'll tell you about towards the end of the show um so the one question this week is from our friend called lower i don't know if that's uh, lower's real name but uh, that's what i've got here and lower says i'd like to know why coaches emphasize taking a large stride to the pitch of the ball when you can play it just as well from the crease with little footwork as it seems easier and efficient as well as having less risk of getting caught trapped between lengths of the ball if it's too short. So, yeah, good question. Bit of thinking, bit of theory in there. What's the idea behind taking a big stride? Well, firstly, I think some people do and some people don't. And I think, I think it's important to to understand that you, know, you can have people that do have a, a, a shorter stride to the ball um, than, than others. And I'll give you an example of a really good player, a proper player, who, who didn't have a huge stride to the ball when he played forward. And somebody like Shivnarayan Chandrapal didn't do that. But also what he did at the same time was allowed the ball to come all the way to him. Because when we see people make mistakes by not moving their feet, it's often because they're making two mistakes backed up, or what we perceive as two mistakes backed up. They don't move their feet and then they thrust their hands forward. And when that happens, then you're obviously playing out in front of yourself. You, you, you're jabbing at the ball and that's when those nicks tend to tend to carry to slip. And uh, as somebody who didn't move his feet and shoved his hands in front of him and nicked it 
it slip quite a lot. I know all about that from personal experience. So the reason why I was always told to have a longer stride uh, was to be able to get closer to the pitch of the ball, to, to not allow the ball to uh, to move. But actually what I probably should have done, because I was never going to be a big foot mover, um, what I probably should have done was just learn to let that ball come and do a bit more of that Shivnarayan thing of, of playing in that, that box that somebody like A.B. de Villiers talks about. Um, so that's that would be one bit of advice that I'd give to somebody who tends to have a short stride and then chucks their hand at it. But the benefit of the of using your feet and getting that stride in is obviously that you increase your stability to the ground because we know that longer strides give us more stability um, and that stability often gives us control as well. So whilst it's aspirational to have people getting a stride in to give them stability and to give them control, we've also got to understand that we all have players who do exactly what you're talking about here, Lower, don't really move their feet but they let the ball come onto the bat and they hit the ball incredibly late and let the ball finish doing what it's going to do before they try and make contact on it. Somebody else who did that brilliantly was David Gower who I, who I played a very little amount of cricket with Hampshire but you know I can remember batting in one game against a very very good bowler um, and I made it look incredibly difficult whilst he made it look like a breeze and uh, and he did it without really moving his feet but allowing that ball to come on. And I guess the the theory uh, labours here is that if you get to the pitch of the ball, you know you can meet the ball um, before it's had time to do you know move off the seam or or spin if you're facing a spinner, and then you know you, you you're sort of negating one of the uh, strengths that the the bowler's got against you, which is to be able to get the move, ball to move off the pitch. So the sort of the theory is pretty sound, isn't it? Um, but it's just a matter of you you don't want to misinterpret how to do that because you know if you take take a stride that's too big for what you are comfortable then you know you can be off balance or you can be in a, in a position which doesn't help you and then you can as Gareth was saying you know you, you can end up making the mistake that you were trying to avoid anyway so I guess it's I guess it's one of those things where uh, you need to be careful as, as a coach anyway yeah you need to be careful how you explain that to someone so they don't interpret it as oh well I just need to take as big a stride as possible to get to the ball because it doesn't always work yeah, there are a heap of variables involved in each delivery, aren't they? And, and, and having a bigger stride at times is going to be more beneficial and, and at times it's maybe not not absolutely necessary. But if you think about the positives it could bring out, if you if a bowler sees you getting a bigger stride down the pitch more often than not, their length is going to get dragged back a little bit and that's potentially going to reduce their ability to swing a ball. So simply by doing that, you're you're taking away one of their, their sort of skill options that could be threatening you. Um, also getting that stride and getting that momentum going forwards you've got a potential to generate a little bit more power and sometimes you think about those guys who uh, waited for the ball and didn't move a hell of a lot um, you probably also think that they were very good square of the wicket and they were very good at deflecting and guiding a ball rather than um, out and out powering it back over the bowler's head and, and often those guys that do get the ball, get a bit of body weight into the shot can get a bit more power um, Converse, conversely, go too big with your stride and, and you're probably going to start to lose that stability, like you said there. Also lose that um, upper body, lower body sort of separation with with that hip drive followed by the upper body. So if you, if you go too far into it, you're going to be limited as well. So um, 
the thing the thing we often come back to is is knowing yourself and knowing the individual you're working with and and for for that individual does it work and 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 that's where we we don't have many rules that fit everyone um it'd be, it'd be wrong to say everyone needs to get a bigger stride because everyone's different and everyone's going to have their own individual uh sort of uh, differences that that we have to account for so when it if, if it does work and if there are conditions maybe that a bigger stride would be would be beneficial then it's nice that people can adapt and, and employ it um, and at other times people will um, be better served only having a minimal stride into the ball and letting the ball travel towards them and, and playing the game that, that suits them. So horses for courses, which has uh, been said a hell of a lot over the last few years. But, um, yeah, there are obvious benefits there, but just don't think that you have to ram it down everyone's throat because it's not going to be for all. I think the biggest thing, you know, and, and if I'm thinking about people that played with a slightly shorter stride, I'm thinking about uh, David Gower going back a long time. I'm thinking about Andrew Strauss. When he played forward, he'd only really get a long stride in if it was a wide half volley. If it was within the width of the stumps or where, where it's just outside off stump, he wouldn't have a particularly long stride. Somebody like Shiv Chowdhury, what those guys did was they allowed the ball to come onto them and they transferred what their weight forward which meant that they controlled the contact uh, and that those are the two things that looking back on my own career rather than having this sort of impossible quest to try and get further forward which I failed at throughout the whole of my career um, having watched those guys at close quarters and in international cricket at the top of top of the game uh, I, I felt that actually I'd have been better off just letting that ball come and just practicing having um, a, a weight transfer going back into the ball more often than not and if I'd have done that I'd have probably been a better player for it but I did exactly what Lower is saying here and I tried to increase my, my stride and, and it never worked for me because I never got it right and even when I did get my feet right often my weight transfer was pretty poor and as a result the ball would just lob up anyway I think Lowe's uh, in the right place here in that saying that, you know, obviously somebody's told him this and, you know, more than one person by oh, the sound of it said, oh, you've got to get a big career, stride. Mate. I literally, the whole oh, of yeah. my career. Well, well it's, it's easy. It's easy, isn't it? Like, it's an easy thing. Like, you've, everybody's heard it. Everybody knows it's, it's a safe thing to say, oh, well, you know, you've got to get forward, you know, get a big stride in, you know, you've got to do that. And so I guess instead of going away and thinking, right, okay, I'm going to get a big stride in. Oh, here I go. Oh, I'm, I'm, his response has been, or her response has been to say, well, hang on a minute, that doesn't make sense to me. There's something there that doesn't make sense to me. And they've had the sense to sort of question it. And I think that's a great position to be in. If you are, rather than just, rather than just saying, oh, well, the coach knows best, I better just do what they say. And they're saying, well, hang on a minute, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. Please explain this to me in more detail. And that, that's a tough thing to do, for, especially for a young player. You know, you come up against a coach who, you know, who, who's, you know, knows so much, uh, you know, to say, well, hang on a minute, I don't, I don't know how that works. Please tell me more. I never did it. And, that, and this is why Lowe is in a yeah. much better position than me, because I, I just carried on regardless, trying to, trying to achieve instead of really going, do you know what? I'm struggling with this. Why don't I see if I can find another way? And, and I, I never got beyond that. So well done, Lower. I think it's a fantastic question that you've asked. I think there's a lot of relevance for you, but it wouldn't necessarily be for everybody. And I think that's, that's crucial to, to throw out there. But, uh, you know, you've made that the biggest step, as you say, David, in, in actually rather than just keep plowing the same, the same track and banging your head against the wall, actually looking at it from a different angle and see if there's a different approach that could work for you. 
And that is all we have time for on the show this week. Um, what we normally do at this point is decide on the winner of the competition from the couple of questions uh, that we had. But we've only had one question this week. So I guess um, we should be fair here to to lower and, and just and give lower the prize uh, right away, Gareth. What do, you, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think we should. But I think we should, we should also point out that that quality of question in most given weeks would have won the prize as well because it was it was fantastically put in. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, congratulations on challenging, I suppose, the convention. Um, and hopefully you've got a, a couple of ways of going about your next bit of your career or helping other players later in your career to, to try and understand how they move and how they can counteract uh, counteract the challenges which is batting and next week we will be back to having a couple of questions which means we will have uh, the opportunity for someone else to win a prize Gareth if someone had a pressing question and were thinking about trying to win that prize how could they get in touch with us they could give us a call on 0203 239 7543 or drop us a line on coach at pitchvision.com that's correct you can get us through social media as well um the best way to do that is head over to pitchvision.com and find the Pitchvision Academy account there and you can send us a question uh, directly. If you want to use Facebook to do it instead, you can do that as well. It's facebook.com slash pitchvisionacademy and Twitter is also available at pitchvisionacad. If you want to listen to this show every week, you can do that too. If you go to your favourite podcast app, do a search for Pitch Vision Academy, you'll find us in there. That's free. You can subscribe to that. That comes out every Friday. And if you want to get any of the old shows or download the show directly onto your computer or stream it from the web, get old show notes or see all the thousands of articles that we've got up there, then head over to pitchvision.com slash academy and click on the podcast link for all the details and don't forget if you are listening to this in time then head over to pvmatch.com to get your early bird discount for pvmatch the scoring streaming and scouting software from pitchvision that's all for this week we hope you listen next week but until then have a good week cheers garris cheers lavers cheers fellas thanks guys